0: Welcome to Women of Marvel. I'm Angelique Rocher.
1: I'm Ellie Pyle. And I'm Judy Stevens.
0: We all know that Peggy Carter is one of the coolest characters in the Marvel Universe. Dare I say, one of the coolest characters ever. And some people might think of her first as Steve Rogers' love interest. But you know what? Those people would be wrong. Totally
2: fair, but I mean, also, that love story is, dare I say, timeless.
0: Okay, you make a valid point, but my point is, she is incredible all on her own. She fought in the Frisch Resistance during World War II, worked alongside the Avengers, and was one of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s very best agents.
1: She left the U.S. as a woman in the 1940s to go fight Nazis? Plus, she was the Avengers crew communications chief. She speaks several languages, is a skilled fighter, and she is a world-class spy.
0: What we were saying is Peggy Carter is a badass. Okay, I got to ask y'all, like, what is your favorite thing about Peggy Carter?
2: Well, I mean, I always wanted to be a spy, so like Peggy's basically who I wanted to be when I was a kid in terms of, you know, how she kind of fits into that whole time period. I think that is the best possible scenario of being a woman during World War II is Peggy Carter.
1: And I think it's so refreshing for young women now to like read about a character like Peggy Carter when when we were learning about World War II history, it was all about the men. And now that we're much older, I've read so many stories about women within Europe, within Japan, doing what they needed to do to get us to the other side. And like Peggy Carter is just straight from those true stories of these women who risked it all to try and help
2: the cause. So much of what was important about that war was what was going on behind the scenes in the resistance and in espionage and code breakers that were predominantly women because the men were out on the field. I
1: mean, I think that Peggy Carter is just a great example of like a fictional one of these women brought to life to look at someone like Peggy is an important part of that story.
0: Yeah, and I love that because we're even actually going to talk about how a real-life spy in the Resistance inspired a Women of Marvel story that features Peggy Carter, right? And these women and everyone else who's fighting in these Resistance forces are so important, right? Like, it's pretty incredible that we have a character like Peggy Carter that represents that so much, And I will say, her whole life story is a little too much for a single podcast episode. But Peggy Carter has been through a lot. We've seen her in the comics for over 50 years now. She was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1966. And for those of you who want to go see her first appearance, it is in Tales of Suspense, number 75. She did debut as an unnamed love interest of Steve Rogers, but she did not stay unnamed for long. Two issues later, she was officially Peggy Carter.
1: But she hasn't just been a comics character. We all remember seeing her in her first appearance in Marvel Studios' Captain America, The First Avenger. And then from there, she went on to star in the TV show Marvel's Agent Carter,
2: which is now streaming on Disney+. Marvel truly has something for everyone. Agent Carter was my mom's favorite TV show. She was so excited to be able to talk to me about this. But now we have more of Peggy Carter on Disney Plus because we have her fan favorite appearance in Marvel Studios' What If, in a world where Peggy was given the super soldier serum and became Captain Carter.
0: Correct. And Captain Carter is a really cool version of Peggy, because she didn't start on TV or even from the comics. She started in Marvel's Gamerverse. That's right. Marvel Puzzle Quest, a Marvel game, was the first appearance of Captain Carter. And I got to talk to one of the game designers who created this version of Peggy. Paige Pederuto pitched Captain Carter as a possible character back in 2016.
3: So I'm Paige Pedarudo and uh, I'm a game designer and I think a lot of people think that is like a visual designer but it's more about designing gameplay experiences so a lot of decisions about how combat works in a game that has combat or what characters act like or the sorts of things they say they're writing for the game or how things are balanced like there's a lot of spreadsheet work so I do game design. And I have worked in a bunch of different games, and in particular, Marvel Puzzle Quest. I guess I worked on it off and on for about five years total. In 2016, I guess it was, it was the 75th anniversary of Captain America. Marvel reached out to some of the different Marvel games and said, Hey, we're doing this promotional event for the 75th anniversary of Captain America would love if you have a special concept for your own version of Captain America, give us your best shot, which immediately got a bunch of wheels turning. So I was the designer who was tasked with running with this. So it was kind of my job to figure out what we were going to pitch Marvel, who is our Captain America. And I was watching a lot of Agent Carter. And so she was just totally on my brain all day long. And I was like, this is a slam dunk. Like this character is screaming to be Captain America. Like everything just kind of fits. And it didn't take much for all of us to get on the same page about that. We all kind of realized this is what we need to do. This would be great. So I wrote a little bit of a backstory, how this happened. How did she get to become Captain America instead of Steve? And the other part of my job as a designer is the mechanical side of, of these characters I'm creating. So I also need to figure out how she fit into the game. We brought that to Marvel and they loved it too.
0: For folks who should know how great Puzzle Quest is, talk to us a little bit about what Puzzle Quest is and what particular type of platform Puzzle Quest comes on.
3: Marvel Puzzle Quest is a Match 3 RPG which you hear match three and you think that maybe it's kind of like Candy Crush. It's kind of like that, but it's got some real deep RPG depth to it. There are 200 plus Marvel characters. They have all different skill sets, different abilities, and it's kind of a PVP centric head to head game. Three characters versus three characters. It's been running for about eight years, which is pretty great. You can grab it from Android on the Play Store or for iOS from the App Store and it's available
0: on Steam as well for PC.
3: I was the lead designer on the project for
0: the last few years. Great game, I love it. Which is pretty awesome because one of the cool things about this game is strategy, right? The game mm-hmm. is constantly introducing new characters and each of these characters have a different strength, right? And it matches up with their strengths in the comics, which I think is the coolest part, particularly when you're talking about combat as it relates to these type of games. So when you choose Storm, There's a reason why you choose Storm. And like any other game, when you're looking at these heroes, their strengths of their superpowers, whether it's hand to hand, it does come into account a little bit, well, a lot bit in this game, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the magic
3: tricks I think we really pull off in this game is every character feels both different than every other character we have in the game. We don't have any like repeats mechanically. And also they all feel very much true to character, As you said, like, storm attacks in a very certain way. Hulk is all about getting angry and destroying big sections of the board at once. It really feels like the characters that you are choosing to play with just reinforce that fantasy of playing with these characters in a really cool way. Some of these get really complex. Like, there's this whole Jessica Jones ability where she's, like, searching for clues. And you can kind of, like, try to unveil what the other team is doing. And if you're paying attention to their moves, you're getting advantages in battle.
0: It's really slick. I love it. Well, and it feels like there's a lot of detail and there's a lot of intention that goes to not just putting the characters in the game, but really understanding who the characters are and their background and history. And so speaking of history, though, tell us a little bit about how is she Captain America? One, because people are like, she's not American. She's British. That's a thing. (laughs) But like, talk to us a little bit about what her story is. Yeah, it's funny you
3: mention the American versus British thing. That never bothered me that much, and I think part of it is I feel like if Captain America is meant to embody like the American values, American spirit, there's nothing more American than immigration as a concept. Like come here with all the skills that you have, find the life you want to find here. So like that always Mm. felt totally reasonable for me for Peggy to become Captain America, even if she wasn't born American, but. The way that we had kind of imagined Peggy falling into this role is a world where Steve was assassinated right before undergoing the operation to take on the super soldier serum. And rather than let the remaining serum fall into the wrong hands, Peggy sees that she has the choice to take her herself and prevent that from happening. And to her, that's not a choice. That's the only obvious answer. Why would she do anything else? And the thing that we felt was powerful about this was... She's just been sitting there waiting for the opportunity. Like she was made to be Captain America, maybe more so than Steve was. She's already been trained as a soldier. She's got this tactical awareness. She knows how to lead people. All these things that Steve didn't even have when he had the first super soldier serum. So she's already set up to just run with it. And she just needed an opportunity to make that happen. And the big image in my mind about this is just that these amazing things can happen when you look around and figure out who just needs that opportunity open for them. Just setting somebody up for success, somebody who was overlooked in the room, sitting in the corner, being quiet and contributing from the background. when It should have been heard there from the start. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: So that was like a really exciting thing for me personally.
0: Clearly, there is a lot of research that goes into who this character is, what powers she will have, how she's a little bit different than Steve. Because it's different when in comic books, you sit down with the artist and you go through a character design and people look at costumes. But this very much is a mechanical thing because there's other aspects that you've got to think about when designing this character for a game. So talk to us a little bit about the process of designing the character, the different functionalities of it, and then how that kind of manifests in the digital world.
3: In a lot of ways, there's a lot of overlap and development with traditional media from the art perspective, from the visual perspective. There's a huge amount of iteration through all sorts of different phases of the different poses this character is going to take on because even though... The game is digital. There are still big art pieces that are part of this character. You know, whenever you hit a button to fire one of her abilities, and she has three of them, there's a huge full page animation that's showing her taking this action. So each of those big art pieces has its own development cycle and takes some time, some iteration with the artists. So there's a lot of going through concept sketches making sure they line up with what I'm thinking as a designer mechanically, like what I actually want the story to be telling in game, making sure that it's true to our references for both Peggy Carter and for Captain America. What's this visual language we have for both of these characters that we want to carry through into this new interpretation of both of those characters. So it's like, uh, there's a lot of iteration in that way. But mechanically, the goal with this character was
0: to make her feel not
3: dissimilar from the other Captain Americas we have in the game. There's some mechanical identity that they have.
0: How many Captain Americas are in this game? Yeah, there are There are like five or six caps in the game.
3: And for the most part, they all use the same three colors of energy in the game. We call it AP, like red, yellow, and blue. Yellow is kind of like our stand-in for white. So we think about it as like the patriotic colors. They all use red, white, and blue. And it also aligns with the values of Captain America as a character, because each of the colors in our game kind of has like a thematic tie-in as well. Red is really aggressive, direct action. Yellow is like altruism and helping out a team. And blue is about strategy and like a more careful approach. So those sorts of things do tend to create these kits of characters that make sense for Captain America. So we wanted to repeat that with Peggy as well and make sure she was also hitting on these three things to try and keep that theme going.
0: I love that. And how long does it take from start to finish as you're designing these characters out?
3: Yeah. From conception to launch, it's a few months, sometimes up to six months. They go through a long process where we have to agree. This is a character we want to do, make sure we've done all the research. And then we, the first step is like a paper design of this is the character's narrative. This is who they are. This is how they should be represented in game. These are the types of abilities that we want them to do. And then we start thinking about what the art implications of that are. What are the poses we want this character to take on? How should their costuming look? What version of this character should we be using as reference? Then we have to actually implement the character with engineers, stand them up in game, make all the mechanics work. And then we have to go through lots of approval processes, but also testing the character and getting feedback on how the character's working. Are they hitting on the goals that we expected them to hit on? Like, Are they playing against the characters we want them to play against well? Are they working well with the characters we wanted them to be able to collaborate well with? So there's a lot of iterating at every step of the process, getting more information, going back, making tweaks, testing it through QA over and over, getting lots of feedback from QA on stuff. By the time that we finally launch a character, we've been working on that character for several months, for sure.
0: What is it like coming up with these abilities? How does that work? How does that manifest? Yeah, every character is a little
3: different. So sometimes we think like this character would be a perfect counter for this other character who's really strong in the game. Like, let's focus on making mechanics that work towards that. Or this character just would be a great way to round out this other group of characters we have. Like, Maybe we have a bunch of the Sinister Six and we need one more so you can feel like we have a well-rounded team that are all kind of in the same faction. With this character, we really just wanted to focus first and foremost on the narrative, right? We're totally generating a new narrative for this character. How can we reinforce that mechanically? So for her, I tried to give her a well-rounded set of abilities, but I wanted to do something that was a little different, a little more outside the box. So one of her abilities is just called Ultimate Soldier. It is a real straightforward ability. She just punches really hard. Like she's just got a super powered punch. She's just getting in there. She's doing just a ton of damage. That's just, she's getting into the action. So that's a red ability. It's like a medium cost And she just gets in there and takes care of business. And it just does what it says on the tin, and it's great, and I love it. It's so simple. But another one of her abilities is a little more expensive to use. It's called Do As Peggy Says, and that's more of her tactical ability. She's taking more of a strategic approach and trying to set up the battlefield to pay out a few turns later. So she places some tiles on the board that will end up triggering other attacks if you protect them for a few turns. And her final ability is... A passive ability. So it doesn't have a cost at all. And it's called Legendary Presence. And the whole idea of this ability is that when she enters the battlefield, she is just a formidable presence that's just a living legend. Her reputation precedes her, and all the enemies are kind of in shock and awe and don't know how to react. So what it does is cause the opponents to have to pay more energy to use their abilities. So it just slows them down a little bit and adds like a suppressive effect to the enemy team. So altogether, she's got like a pretty versatile toolkit with these three abilities, like one that's like fairly fast and can do a bunch of damage, one that's like a more strategic long term payoff, and one that's just like a a passive boost to the entire team for the entire battle. It's fun to try to think about her as a a cohesive unit in that way, but also kind of trying to paint a picture of what she would be like as Captain America. Like, how does she embody that title?
0: So clearly you had to do some research on Peggy Carter do you have any favorite Peggy Carter stories or anything that you specifically love? She's gone through a lot of evolution. So for you, like what has been your favorite part about learning or getting to know Peggy Carter as a character?
3: I mean, I, again, a lot of the inspiration is definitely coming from agent Carter and I really love the depiction of that character specifically how she interfaces with like the howling commandos, I think is really exciting. I love to see Peggy in charge. And that's just like, that's the vibe I get from Peggy all the time. It's just, she's got such an abundance of self-confidence. She really knows her worth and she's just not afraid to step up and own that and do what needs to be done, you
0: know? I couldn't have said it better. Now, what is it like to see this shield-wielding, selfless, incredibly badass character jump from Puzzle Quest and for that to come to life in the comics and on TV. Yeah, I cannot
3: begin to describe how much of a trip that's been. It's amazing to just see her just take on this new life over and over again. The first big thing was when she made the jump into comics with with Saladin Ahmed's Exiles run. The entire studio was just kind of in shock that that had happened, <laughs> that she got to live beyond the bounds of our game and like jump into a different type of media. It was amazing. And then the fact that she's been in What If on Disney Plus, absolutely just mind boggling. And it's come full circle, you know, Haley Atwell's voicing her again. So like the inspiration is like, come back. It's amazing. And it's great because she just keeps expanding and getting more fully developed and changing slightly over and over as she keeps going. And that's the nature of comics, right? Like it's all about remixing these characters over and over again. And so like seeing all these different iterations of her is just fascinating. I'm so excited to see what happens with her next.
0: Uh, I think it's so incredible just seeing the evolution of this character and she continues to have adventures. Paige, thank you so much for all of this. Of course.
3: Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. I'm a big fan of your show.
0: I'm so glad to be here. So, this is pretty amazing. And this is what I love about the Marvel Universe. I love the fact that even within this beautiful continuity that we have comics and prose and video games and movies, that all of these incredible creatives get to come in and give their twist and inspirations they get from their job so like Captain Carter was born in Marvel Puzzle Quest she made the leap into comics in Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez's Exiles number three in 2018 if you've not read that series do yourself a favor go do it but I love that her journey didn't stop there she's now starring in her own limited series written by Jamie McKelvey and drawn by Marika Cresta but she also appeared in last year's *Wound of Marvel anthology in a story written by Elsa Hunison.
5: My name is Elsa Hunson. I am a deafblind hurricane in a vintage dress. I am a multi-Hugo award-winning author and editor. I've won an Aurora Award and a British Fantasy Award as well for my work on disabled people to destroy science fiction. I am also, in my spare time, a fencer a hiker, a swing dancer, and a general annoyance in the butt of many, many places. So that's me.
0: That probably was the greatest introduction I have ever heard. Who would not want to be described as a hurricane in a vintage dress? It sounds glorious and dangerous and destructive.
5: And it is highly accurate.
0: (laughs) So how did you first become a fan of Marvel? What was your pathway into the Marvel Universe?
5: So when I was in high school, I worked at a comic book store. And part of my job was to archive comics. Like we had, you know, hundreds of thousands of comics in our backlog that needed to be organized and put into bags and taken care of. And obviously, when you have a discount, like a store employee does, you also start buying and reading comics. So I started out with indie stuff, and then I read Neil Gaiman's Sandman, And that was right around when Neil Gaiman's 1602 came out. And I was obsessed. And so from there, I had to dig into everything else that had ever been made by Marvel. I was reading everything. And obviously, I was a blind kid, so I read Daredevil. And I kind of fell into it. And then it was just where I wanted to be reading. And then unfortunately, I stopped being able to read comic books for a little while because my vision got worse during grad school. And so I didn't have the tools to read the comics that I wanted to read until I had the access to comics on an iPad. So there was a gap for me there.
0: Were there any favorite characters or stories you had in the Marvel universe?
5: I mean, I will tell you that probably my favorite Marvel series of all time was Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. The way that he used ASL in his visual storytelling it really got me it made me feel like my experience had been seen by a comics writer in a way that i hadn't felt represented before so I, that's probably my favorite of the marvel stories is matt fraction's hawkeye
0: last year you wrote an amazing peggy carter story for the women of marvel anthology i was told it was actually inspired by real events and some real life resistance fighters from world war ii walk us through the story and what inspired you to tell this story with peggy carter
5: okay so i get an email in my inbox that says hey do you want to write for women of marvel at the anthology and i'm like yes i do and then i pause and think about who i would actually want to write and i go can i have peggy carter could i have could i have peggy carter is that possible because I really love Peggy Carter. I love her style. I love who she is. And I love that when you get to tell a Peggy Carter story, you get to tell a story about women in a time period where women were not always able to get what they wanted. And so I like being able to tell stories about women who are pushing the boundaries of what's expected of them. That means a lot to me. And then I hear, well, do you want to write Captain Peggy Carter? And I'm like, Captain, as in Captain America, Peggy Carter. And they say, yes. And like, obviously I want to do that. Can I set it in World War II? And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I'm like, I have a plan. Because during World War II, there was an operative whose name is Virginia Hall. And everybody should know about Virginia Hall. Virginia Hall was a member of the Special Operations Executive, the SOE, and then the American Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, during World War II. Virginia Hall was a woman who had one leg. She worked for the resistance with a prosthetic leg for her entire time in service. And she was one of the best operatives that we had during World War II. And I wanted to tell her story. So I asked if I could tell a story about what would happen if Peggy Carter teamed up with Virginia Hall. And everything that you see about what's happening to this Virginia Hall-like character is things that actually happened to her. She was being hunted by the Gestapo. She was somebody who was running information and supplies pretty regularly. And so the story is about what happens when Peggy Carter meets Virginia Hall And is told, more or less, I'm not getting called back in. No, I need to keep doing what I'm doing. Great that you think I need help, but we're good. But as with any good World War II story, we do
0: need to punch some Nazis. Yes. So in punching these Nazis, and not to give any spoilers, but where do we meet Peggy at the beginning of the story? What's going on in this particular window in both these women's lives?
5: So Peggy is Captain America, and she is being dropped into Vichy France, which was the hotly contested zone that France gave Nazi Germany as sort of a puppet government. And she's being dropped there to try and pull this operative out, because they know that this operative is being hunted down, and they want to make sure that she stays alive so that she can actually continue to do the work that she's been doing. And Peggy doesn't know a whole lot about this operative when she comes in, because you rarely know anything about the spies that you're helping until you meet them, and then you find out a whole lot. And at the same time, Lillian is in a situation where she has been embedded in Vichy France for a while, and she has been working with Résistance on keeping information going and keeping supplies going and making sure that Jewish people are actually getting out so she has been doing all of that covert work. And she is also somewhat based on a Hélène Deschamps, who wrote an autobiography of her experience as a resistance fighter in Vichy as well. So I incorporated some of her experiences also when I was thinking about it. But Lillian is hotly being sought after. The Nazis know what she looks like, at least. They don't necessarily have her name because she's using a code name. But they know that there is a woman going around and helping to destabilize their government, and they want her gone. And so she is in a fairly small town, in the Gestapo are looking for her. And that's when Peggy Carter shows up in a dark alley, which is where you always want to meet people, right? Uh, and it's like, look, I'm here to help you. Why don't you come with me? And Lillian is like, no, we're gonna we're gonna go talk about that because I'm not actually leaving. You can try, but I don't think so.
0: Wow, wow, wow. It feels like you love these stories so much. What kind of research did you have to do to prepare this? Like, did you have to read into the inspiration? How much Peggy Carter did you have to dig into?
5: I didn't have to do as much Peggy Carter research just because we were literally pulling this Captain Peggy Carter alternate reality mm-hmm. setting from another comic that Saladin Ahmed had done. But I did need to go down a rabbit hole on the French Resistance and on Vichy France to sort of pull together the character of Lillian and to tell the story as best I could with as much historical accuracy as you can get out of a Marvel comic. Because in a previous life, I'm a historian, so I still want that history to feel true.
0: Yeah. And I love that because for those who are like Peggy Carter, Captain America fans, you know, a lot of her origin story comes from the video games. And then yeah, Saladin Ahmed does this incredible run on the exiles where for those who've not read it, you get these alternate versions of some of our favorite characters, right? Like T'Challa a cowboy and Wolverine is like this chibi, cute little Wolverine and it's Becky Barnes instead of Bucky Barnes mm-hmm. and you get Captain Peggy Carter, for those who may not know a little bit about the run, like talk to me about what made you love this version of Peggy Carter.
5: I mean, I love the idea that we would pick Peggy Carter to be Captain America, that really spoke to me because in some ways she is, she's a great fit. Like there's also the fact that she is then a British Captain America, which probably raises some eyebrows. But I think that because of who she is and what she stands for, she ends up being such a great sort of story in
0: that role. I always love when people describe Captain America as a symbol Mm -hmm. instead of just Steve Rogers. You know, what do you think it is about Peggy that makes her this good fit for Captain America to be the person that is behind the symbol?
5: I mean, I think, One of the things that I've always appreciated about her is that she has that backbone of justice. And that is something that I feel is really strongly enabled in the Captain America symbol is that Captain America is there to protect people from injustice. There's this idea that like your job is to stop the Nazis from punching the people they shouldn't be punching, right? Like that's who she's there for. She's there to help continue the fight against the Nazis in that story. She's not just there to do the fight, she's also there to actually enable other people to continue fighting. And I think that that's part of that symbol, is the idea that you're not just the one doing the fighting, but you're also helping other people to continue fighting injustice.
0: What did you want to expressly communicate about Peggy's character in this situation? And Did you feel like there were any particular traits you got a chance to highlight? I know the story is short, but It is definitely chock full of goodness.
5: One of the things that actually meant a lot to me was toward the end of the story, when she goes back to make her report. And she'd been given a very specific order. She did not follow that order. And I think the fact that Peggy Carter is somebody who knows when the orders she's been given aren't necessarily what actually needs to happen is a core part of her character. Sure. She's going to do what needs to be done, but she's going to do what needs to be done in a Peggy way, in the way that she sort of sees how all the pieces fit together. And her last line of the comic is very much that
0: personality. All right. As a person who has now written Captain Peggy Carter, what's your hopes for the character?
5: I would love to see her get to do more. I want more female Captain America in general. But Captain Peggy, I want to see her have more adventures. I want to see, I'd love to personally get to tell more of her story in World War II. Because there was such a opportunity for women to fight back against the Nazis in a way that men couldn't. And I think that there are opportunities to tell her story as both a spy and Captain America in that sort of vein that would feel really true to who she is.
0: Yeah. And I think that is really highlighted again, no spoilers in the ending of your story, but also just thinking back like she as a woman, there is an innate sameness and understanding of fighting for the underdog and what's right and justice Mm -hmm. and bringing a different perspective in from what is typically the norm when it comes to superheroes. So I think that's amazing.
5: Yeah, and I think that's actually something I want to say about superheroes in general is that like when we get to tell stories about superheroes who aren't men, especially who aren't white men, we're not just telling a story about that superhero. We're also giving voice to people who get to be everyday superheroes. Like when you are actually living your life and having to fight injustice every day, you're a superhero because you have a hard road that you are living on every single day. And I know that as a disabled woman, like I have to fight ableism every day. That is my big bad every single day. So I like getting to tell stories from the perspective of being a marginalized superhero because the big bad gets bigger, but there's still that undercurrent of what reality is like.
0: Do you have a hope and aspiration as we get more stories about disabled heroes, but also from a diversity of writers who can authentically and genuinely tell these stories that honor people and value who they are and see them as heroes?
5: Oh, yeah. I want to see so many more disabled superheroes. I think that telling disabled superhero stories is complicated because we have this approach as a society to look at disabled people who do things better than non-disabled people. There's an inspiration to be had. But what I wanna see is superhero stories about disabled people where we actually just celebrate them for being superheroes. It's beyond that inspiration and goes into, this is a really cool story. I think that's part of what Mac Hawk Hawkeye did. And I wanna see more of that. I wanna see more authentic storytelling from the perspective of ASL, from the perspective of using adaptive devices. Because I tell you what, as a white cane user, I know exactly how to do stage fighting and combat with that thing. And I want more. So much more.
0: (laughs) I love the story, but this wasn't your first time working with Marvel. Talk to me about your other projects.
5: Yeah, so I had the opportunity a couple years back to work on Realm Media's Marvel's Jessica Jones Playing with Fire, where I was with a team of writers, and we got to tell a Jessica Jones story. And one of my proudest moments was getting to write Matt Murdock because I have always wanted to write Daredevil. And so I absolutely have Matt Murdock breaking into the Hellfire Club using basically you violated the ADA as his claim for why he can get into the building. I love the sandbox. I love playing in it. And Jessica Jones was an absolute delight to write.
0: Well, you know what? I hope that you get to play in the sandbox more. This has been an absolute delight talking to you Thank you, thank you, thank you.
5: Thank you so much. This was so much fun.
0: All right, so Judy and Ellie, do you have a favorite version of Peggy Carter?
1: So my favorite version of Peggy, of course, is very typical of me. I love historical costuming. So of course, mine is from the TV show Marvel's Agent Carter. The costumes, the dresses, the outfits, just magical and amazing. Anything historical costuming, I am there. But I also am absolutely loving these covers and the interiors of Jamie and
2: Mariga's new series, like A+. I still wear the historically accurate shade of lipstick that they designed for that TV show. From Besame. Uh Uh-huh. I bought myself a tube of that when I came back to work at Marvel a few years ago as my, you know, celebrating coming back to Marvel gift. And I still wear it. It is a perfect shade of red. Yeah, so I, as I said, I love spy Peggy Carter, so I really loved the TV show Agent Carter and kind of that version of her.
0: Well, I love it. I don't think anybody is going to be surprised when I say the version of Captain Carter that appeared in Exiles with Becky Barnes truly is one of my most favorite things to ever happen in comics, particularly the romance between Becky Barnes and Valkyrie. Yes, go read the series. It's great. Anyway, listeners, let us know which Peggy Carter you love. You could tweet us using the hashtag Women of Marvel or tag us at Angelique Roche, O-M-G-D-J-J-U-T, and Ellie Pyle. And that's E-L-L-I-E-P-Y-L-E-L-E-Pyle. And if you need more Peggy Carter in your life, because who doesn't, the first two issues of Captain Carter are out right now so go pick them up wherever you get your comics and add them to your pull list it's a five issue limited series you don't want to miss also we have something very cool and very special for you this week if you liked hearing Paige talk about Peggy Carter's character in Marvel Puzzle Quest you can go get her for free as a special thank you for listening to Women of Marvel it's available worldwide on mobile only, and you'll have to download and register for the game to use it, of course. And it's limited to one per person or account, but it will be available until December 31st of this year. So go to d3go.com slash women of Marvel for a free Peggy Carter Captain America cover for Marvel Puzzle Quest. That's d3, the number three, go.com slash women of Marvel. Additional terms apply. All right. So, Judy, what do we have up for next week? Actually, before we tease
2: next week's episode, we are doing a new segment this season where we spotlight some of the incredible women who work at Marvel in roles we don't always get a chance
4: to talk about on this show. My name is Amanda Avila, and I am the Associate Manager of Integrated Planning for Marvel Games. I help our business team with new contracts and negotiation, and building out things like character grants from a legal perspective. And I also help some of our partners along the way with third-party partnerships. So one of our like most popular ones was the Miles Morales Adidas that you saw in Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. I liaise with some of our marketing teams and help put together bespoke partnerships that either go in-game or become IRL products. Prior to working at Marvel, I was actually in the food world. So I graduated from culinary school and started working in restaurants and ended up traveling the world, opening different restaurants. And shortly after that, I became a personal assistant to a celebrity chef. And I decided to kind of take a step back from the food world And I saw this job listing when I was applying for new jobs for the assistant at Marvel games. And I thought, wow, I love the Marvel IP. I could definitely work with superheroes as opposed to like, you know, cutting my fingers every day. So (laughs) it was a huge step, like a big career change, but it was probably the best move I've ever made. And I'm still here. For me, working at Marvel is just as cool as you might think it is. Those unreal experiences of being immersed into like the Marvel world that you've come to love, feeling like you are a part of what brings the superheroes to the world for so many others, especially for girls. I think it wasn't always set up when I was a kid to make you feel like you too could be a superhero. The men were the heroes, but now we are seeing that change so much. Being a part of that is an incredible feeling. I wake up every day and maybe I have a thousand characters to go through to clear for a a new contract, but it's like, I'm working with superheroes. At the end of the day, I can't complain about that. It's a lot of fun. I was a big fan of the X-Men. I love the idea that there were all of these like, so-called misfits that had their own individual skill set that added to the group. So that was kind of where I had started was the animated series and the X-Men movies. But when Guardians of the Galaxy hit, my twin sister was like, Amanda, you have to watch this movie. This movie was made for you. So I really got into Guardians of the Galaxy, started reading the comics, fell in love with Gamora. Needless to say, Gamora is like my favorite character now. She is a bit of a badass I don't know if I can say that on a podcast she had this drive to prove herself to like redeem herself and I guess I sort of related in that I'm in this new world but I want to prove that I am definitely worthy I just want to show everyone that I'm tough and I'm capable and like I don't need to be especially a man in the gaming industry you know And I aspire to be looked at as one of the toughest girls doing this, you know, and she is the deadliest woman in the galaxy. So that was super cool for me, seeing a girl
0: kicking butt. Okay, that was actually really cool. I can't believe she used to be a chef.
2: I used to work with her in the L.A. office and she would actually bring in cupcakes that are some of the most amazing cupcakes I have had in my
0: life. I love cupcakes. Okay, all right. So before we get into Cupcake Talk, Judy, tell us what we have next week.
1: Well, you thought 1966 was way back there. Well, next week we're going even farther back in time. We're going to talk all about Patsy Walker and her long journey from a model to Hellcat and beyond.
2: Come back next week and learn about Patsy. But until then, Women of Marvel is produced by Isabel Robertson, Cara McGurk-Allison, Ellie Pyle, Judy Stevens, and Angelique Crochet. Our senior manager of audio development is Brad Barton. Our production manager is Larissa Rosen. And our executive producer is Jill Duboff. Listen weekly on SiriusXM and on Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. See you next week. This is Marvel.
0: Your universe.